Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Today, I'm talking with Cindy Flanders, who worked with Bank of America for many years and has been a CFO of a company. And we're talking about funding and a small business. And first off, I'd like to have you tell us a little bit about your background, Cindy. Can you tell us that? Sure. Thanks, Amanda. Thrilled to be here today. I have spent um, probably close to 35 years in banking, primarily in commercial banking. I think that was 20 to 25 of those 35 years. And in commercial banking, um, what that means is we work with small businesses, middle market businesses. So it really runs the gamut from almost startup to almost public. Um, and then this last year, I've had the opportunity to work for a, a very small public company as their CFO, and that was very exciting. It was it was really interesting to be on the other side of the desk and become a client of the bank. And um, one of the most exciting things we did this year was we purchased a company. We we completed an acquisition of a company in Ireland, and um, I learned an uh, incredible amount to to get that. Uh, acquisition to completion. So that's pretty much uh, my background. That's wonderful. And so you, you were, I assume you went to Ireland to, to complete the um, acquisition. I did. I, it was the first time I'd actually been to Ireland. And the, the really cool thing was the company is in a little town called Dunleary, which is about 20 minute train ride outside of Dublin, right on the on the sea, and it was—it's like a beach resort place where this company was. So it was—it was, it was a lot of work, but it was also very, uh, very beautiful. Great, great. Can you tell us about your lessons learned from uh, a small business that you've helped to help find funding or to help them find funding? Well, I think one of the biggest lessons that small businesses need to learn is to be prepared before they even try to go find funding. So what we would do and what I've done is try to help small businesses prepare um, by telling them what they need to put together for financial statements or projections. And also I'm really honest with them about their ability to get certain types of funding. So if they're not ready for bank funding um, or bank financing, then I try to help them um, with alternative financing sources or funding sources like factoring or asset-based lenders, or if it's appropriate, helping connect them with um, the right equity partners um, or helping them structure um, what they would need to do to get money from family and friends. Great. That's great. And um, what types of funding do you think are the uh, most appropriate for a, a, start, a startup company, the small company that's never gotten funding before? 
Well, you know, I think we've all heard stories about companies, very large companies today that started their businesses by maxing out credit cards. And it's actually not a myth and it's not a bad way. While the interest rates are relatively high for a lot of startup businesses, there really aren't that many alternatives of borrowing um, other than credit cards. So that's actually a great way to start if you don't want to give up any equity. I mean, you also have the ability to borrow against any 401k plans that you have or other types of retirement plans that you have. Again, if you don't want to give up any equity, those are good financing sources for startup businesses. Now, if you have a small business and you've been in business for a while, then you are able hopefully to access traditional bank financing like lines of credit or term, term loans. And then if you, um, if you fit the right niche and you have the right um, market, then you have the ability to access um, equity investors like angel um, funds or venture funds. And then um, crowdfunding, of course, is always another source of, um, of revenue or income or funding, I'm sorry, funding for, for small businesses and startups. Um, and what are the big differences in your mind between having equity partners and owning the business with, while at the same time having to have a, a credit line or a, a bank loan or owing money in some form? Well, you know, equity is actually more expensive because, you know, you're, you're diluting your ownership. Um, but, you know, bank, bank financing, if, you, if your credit cards can also be incredibly expensive, but it's really about your mindset. It's about do you have to own 100% of the business? Are you willing to give up a percentage of the business? Does it make sense for the industry that you're in? And is it okay for you to be a smaller part of a bigger company or do you want to be 100% of a smaller company? Because that's usually what's the difference between going out to get equity and just trying to piecemeal your business together with various types of debt. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a matter of, you know, how big do you want to be and how much control do you feel like you have to have? Hmm, great. Now, how difficult or easy is it to get funding in these various ways? I mean, you know, credit cards presumably are fairly easy to get, but how about some of the other options? Yeah, I mean, I think it runs the, the uh, you know, it's, it stages much the way your business would be. Credit cards are certainly the easiest thing to do and the easiest way to get money. So are borrowing, so is borrowing against your own retirement funds. Um, crowdfunding is fairly easy these days, but you have to be very careful of, and you're not, you know, in, until they change some of the rules or you're in a state that allows equity crowdfunding, um, you're not really giving up equity, but you're also probably limiting the amount of funding that you can get on certain crowdfunding sites. So that's actually fairly easy. You just have to be very careful about doing the research, getting on the right websites. Um, like, you you know, not everybody should go on Kickstarter. And if you're, if you're in the retail business and you're trying to sell a product and, and say um, – um, an organic product, there's websites that just do that, and you would want to make sure you do the research 
and get on the right site so you're not going to raise the money. Now, when it comes to um, venture capital, and let me go back a minute and just talk about friends and family because before you start going and selling equity, you know, that is the first source that you should go to um, because these are the people that know you. They're, the, they're usually the people willing to take some risk. And not everybody has the kind of business and industry that's going to attract outside equity investors. So friends and family is probably the first place you go if you're willing to sell equity. Um, is, there, is there risk with friends and family of uh, ruining good relationships? There always is. Um, but what I recommend when people ask about that is that you treat them as, as you would a professional investor you give them a prospectus just like you would a professional investor. You give them the business plan. You give them the projections. You outline exactly what the risks are. You make it clear to them that, you know, this is money that they should be willing to lose completely. Um, mm. And then you give them, you know, as much information as you possibly can on an ongoing basis. I mean, if you were to get a outside equity investor, they would require probably quarterly information so you should you should treat your friends and family the same way you would um, an outside investor that doesn't know you so I think that you can keep your relationships as long as you treat them as as business investors even though they are people that you already know mm, great great all right does the size of the bank matter when it comes to providing funding to small businesses are some more likely to provide loans to small companies than others? You know, I think that's a myth. And it's, um, you know, most small businesses that get loans that don't have um, three years of history of profitability are probably getting loans through the SBA. And the SBA, what people don't realize is some of the largest banks in the country are also the largest SBA lenders. In fact, I think Wells Fargo is the largest SBA lender in the, in the country. And so from my perspective, it doesn't matter. I mean, you may be able to have a personal relationship with a banker at a community bank, but the reality is they're all regulated and they all have to meet the same thresholds for, for lending and so it's, it's not likely that just because it's a small bank and it's not likely that just because you may know someone there, you're going to get a loan at a small bank that you wouldn't get at a large bank. Gotcha. Interesting. What have, so what is required from a small business today uh, to get a, a bank loan or a line of credit from a bank? What kinds of hoops do they need to jump through or what kinds of assets do they need to have, that sort of thing? Well, to... For a small business to get a loan today, you actually have to have profitable results for, I would say, at least two years. Three years is better. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you want a line of credit, it's generally to fund working capital assets, which means you have accounts receivable or you have inventory, and then they're going to base the size of the loan against that collateral. Um, if you don't have that kind of collateral, then um, you're probably not looking at a line of credit. You're looking maybe at a term loan, in which case, you know, the bank may require that you pledge some sort of permanent fixed asset. And for what a lot of small businesses are required to do, 
Um, well, all small businesses are going to be required to personally guarantee those loans, so you need to be prepared to do that. And then if you don't have any collateral in the business, it's often required that you pledge whatever equity you have in your own personal home. Mm -hmm. So the bank will take a second trust on your personal residence um, to secure a loan if you don't have enough capital or enough profitability, I mean, enough um, assets to secure the loan. So it's, you know, it's not not that easy. And then you have to have enough financial acumen to be able to provide ongoing reporting. You may not need an audit, but you have to at least be able to put accountant-prepared compilations together for the bank on a regular basis, on an annual basis, and then um, quarterly or semi-annual statements on a regular basis. Great. Okay. Um, just to clarify, what is the difference between a line of credit and a bank loan? Well, a line of credit is very short-term in nature, and they're usually um, extended for periods of one year. So every year you're going to renew that line of credit. A bank term loan or bank loan, we would uh, generally call those term loans. Those are longer term, and they're used to, to finance longer-term assets. So maybe you're buying a piece of equipment or um, – you know, you're, you're doing leasehold improvements of, of a building you're moving into. So, you know, you need longer-term money, and you have a longer-term fixed asset to secure that loan. So that's the biggest difference. And those loans are usually not more than five years, maybe seven years at best, and whereas a line of credit is going to renew every year. Gotcha. So what types of companies should seek angel investors or venture capital? Um, people that, angels and, and venture company investors, there may be some exceptions, um, but most of them want very high returns on a, for, in a fairly uh, quick basis, quick meaning five to seven years. And so the kinds of companies that have that kind of trajectory of growth and can provide those kinds of returns through either a sale or an initial public offering are companies in technology or life sciences or bioscience or um, maybe some energy companies that have, um, you know, maybe clean energy or something very unique about them that create the kind of growth that these kinds of investors look at. It's very, it's very challenging to find venture money or angel investors that are investing in sort of bread and butter businesses. I'm not saying they're not out there. There are, but it's, it's, it's very few. Okay. I love that line, uh, bread and butter businesses. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you tell us what that means? I love that. <laughs> Um, a bread and butter business is kind of a business that grows maybe at three to four or five percent a year. It might be something like um, I'm trying to think of a good company. They produce something basic. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a really good example of that. Um, you a know, bakery. 
Like a bakery, right. I mean, a bakery isn't going to be explosive and grow from a million dollars in one year to $50 million in five years or $100 million. And that, that's just not going to happen for mm-hmm. a bakery or a shoe store, um, you know, just um, sometimes engine, even engineering companies that, you know, they just do projects on an annual basis. Those companies are not going to explode in revenue because they have the next best app. You know, mm-hmm. the companies that attract that kind of money are people like, you know, Match.com or, or you know, obvious, the obvious Twitters and Facebooks of the world because they can grow exponentially in a very short period of time. Okay, great. All right, so, uh, Cindy, if two partners start a company and one of them is the primary funder, what advice would you give them on how to set up their partnership fairly? Well, I'm not a big fan of partnerships. I'm certainly not a big fan of 50-50 partnerships. And in my experience, I've seen maybe I could count on one hand the number of 50-50 partnerships that work. So my first advice is that one of you needs to own more than 50%. And in my opinion, the person that's putting in the actual money should have the preponderance of the ownership. Um, and I think that if, if the two partners want to work it out so that it's a little bit more equitable over time, the other party who, who maybe has a lot of sweat equity in the business but no money, I would ask them to potentially def- defer their salaries um, and roll them back, roll that back into equity and buy uh, pieces of the other partner's equity over time so that it becomes a little bit more parapassu or even. But I still would, I would still recommend that one partner own 51%. Interesting. So why do you think that is, that partnerships are more successful when one partner owns more of the business? Because it's very, very rare that both partners have the exact same vision at the exact same time and, and want to execute it in the exact same way. And what I've seen is that, you know, one partner is generally more of a salesperson and one partner is generally more of an operations person or a financial person. And so just by the basic nature, they approach the business in a different way. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the salesperson type is the one that's going to want to open, you know, scale up fast and, and do this, that, and the other thing. And the other one's going to be much more conservative. And so once they come to a point where they don't agree, now you've put the whole company at risk. Mm-hmm. Whereas if one person has just a bit more control than, than when they come to an impasse, they make the final decision and it doesn't implode the company. Hmm. Interesting. Great. So um, back to uh, crowdfunding, which is, you know, suddenly this is a new way of funding businesses uh, and ideas. Um, So what are the best crowdfunding options for small businesses and startups? Well, right now, the, the, you know, unless you, as I mentioned before, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but unless you live in a state where, where you can actually get equity on your crowdfunding site, the crowdfunding sites are limited to things like Kickstarter or 
Indiegogo or, you know, thousands of other sites out there for very specific industries where people will invest in you and, and you don't have to give them any equity. You just have to give them an item. You have to give them either the product that you're selling or a T-shirt or something. And so those, those sources are all available for anybody that, that wants to go out there. And you just have to remember that those sites are going to take a percentage of your equity and certain sites like Kickstarter, once you set your goal, if you fail to meet that goal, you don't get any of the money. And they're all not they're not all like that, but that's how many of them operate. Where um but the Jobs Act, which was the um jumpstart um our business startups act, was passed actually in twenty twelve, which started crowdfunding as we know it today. But um they they also allowed for equity crowdfunding, meaning institutional investors or um, qualified investors could go in online and invest in your company and take a percent. It's kind of like, I guess the equivalent of, or the analogy would be, you have a whole bunch of sharks, like on Shark Tank, out there on the Internet looking for businesses to invest in and then they're going to take a percentage of that of ownership, and and they're coming very close to finalizing the rules at the federal government level for those. And so that small businesses, just like the ones you see on Shark Tank, will be able to go on the internet and get basically similar kinds of um, finance uh, equity funding. So that's pretty exciting, I think, for anybody that wants to try to raise money that way and has a cool product or service. Hmm. Great. That's terrific. All right. So um, what can small business owners do during good times when revenue is coming in to make sure that they have the cash or can get the cash, more importantly, if and when they need it in the future? Because everybody knows that there's good days and bad days. Sometimes it's rough out there or you lose a big client or something, and suddenly, you know, you don't have the revenue number that you had before. Well, I think the smartest, the smartest thing that businesses can do is twofold. One, retain as much profitability in the business as you possibly can, and two, not incur a lot of leverage or debt, because in bad times, that is what will kill you. In 2008, I, I saw businesses that had been around for 30 years that went under and 99% of them went under because they were over-leveraged. Mm. So th- those are the two smartest things that any business can do to make sure that, you know, if they have a downturn or a bad, bad few months or even a bad year, they can work their way through it by making sure they don't have too much debt and making sure they've retained uh, as much of the profit as they, they can in the business. Great. All right, now, what do funders require from an entrepreneur prior to agreeing to fund a business? I mean, what are the fundamental things that they require out of an entrepreneur? I mean, the business plan, is that was at the starting point? Yeah, I think the business plan is the starting point, but I, don't, I think that anybody who tries to sell you that you have to have a 35 or 40, 50-page business plan is, is wrong. Um, a business plan should be almost like an executive summary that, that outlines um, what you're doing, why, why you're 
your product or services better? What's your niche? What's your competition? What's your marketing strategy? Um, and most importantly, it should have the, the market size. I mean, how big is the market that you're trying to sell into? Because equity investors want to believe they're not going to invest in a business that doesn't that isn't scalable, that doesn't have huge market potential. So you want to make sure that you've done your research, you know what the market size is, you know what your marketing strategy is, you know who the competition is. I mean, all of those things have to go into a business plan, but you can do it very concisely and probably through the use of um, charts, which are which equity investors like much more than reading, you know, 15 pages of narrative. And then the other thing you obviously have to have is projections, and the projections have to be very realistic. Um, hockey stick projections will turn most equity investors off. They have to actually have real costs that you've done your homework and you appreciate that you've included every cost that you can imagine um, because there's always going to be things that you can't anticipate. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that equity investors are looking at and just, you know, how confident you are about your ability to uh, do what you say you're going to do. Great. Um, what uh, you mentioned quarterly or annual reports that uh, the funders will require from the business. Uh, is that something that you need a CFO to create for you or uh, an accounting firm? Or how do you go about providing that kind of reporting to the funders? You know, I think when you're a startup, you don't need, you definitely don't need a CFO. I mean, you can you can do something as easy as QuickBooks and and doing you know your own uh, reporting as long as it's accurate. But then you at some point in time you do want to hire an outsourced accounting firm. A lot of them have bookkeeping services, and they will help you produce. Um, regular annual financial statements, and they will also make sure that your own personal accounting through whatever system you're using is accurate. So I don't think you need anything as sophisticated as a CFO um, or even an in-house finance person, um, but you do need to hire somebody, an outsourced bookkeeping firm, to look at your numbers at least annually um, and I would recommend at least twice a year. Interesting. Okay, great. Um, so what are your top three recommendations for an entrepreneur who wants or needs to find funding for their businesses? Well, I mean, I think that I know you can, you can certainly borrow money easily through credit cards, but for me, I think that um, it's best to, if you, if you want to have a business that you're going to scale um, I think that the first thing I would recommend is that you use your own resources because, you know, I should have mentioned the one thing other equity, uh, entre- or equity investors are going to look for is how much of your own skin is in the game, how much have you personally invested in that business. And so my first recommendation is that you have to put some of that, you have to put your own skin in the game. Um, and, and I always recommend that you go to friends and family first 
because if they're not willing to invest in you and they know you, then you don't have a chance of anybody else really supporting you. And then I think the, um, the next piece of advice I would give is that if you are going to go out and try to get traditional financing, that you build in enough time. Getting a bank loan, especially when you're a fairly new business um, and maybe need an SBA a guarantee, takes a tremendous amount of time. It can take, you know, for an SBA loan, it can take 90 days from the time you apply to close. Um, and so a lot of times people don't build that in. They've gotten a big order. They go to a bank. They want the loan. They think they're going to get that loan in two weeks, and that's just not going to happen, even without an SBA guarantee. So my second recommendation is, is building in enough time to, to get the financing. And if you're looking for equity, that will take even longer. That could take as much as six months. And then I think the third recommendation I have is that you actually have a, a very good understanding of what your market potential is and what your competition is. Because I think a lot of people get excited about having a great product and don't do enough research about um, what the competition is and how they're going to sell against it. So those are my three big recommendations for, frankly, any business, not just a startup or a small business. Great. That's terrific. Now, are you optimistic these days? Uh, we've been through the Great Recession, and bank loans were pretty tough, and money wasn't very available for small businesses. So how are you feeling today about uh, the uh, ability of small business owners who are well-prepared, um, uh, the, the, their chances of getting funded? You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, for two reasons. One, the Jobs Act that I mentioned before and the ability to actually add equity to crowdfunding. I think that's incredibly exciting. And the other thing that I would say is the bank, banking business and banks in general really have um, come down hard on small business lending because they're risky. And, um, and they all got burned in 2008 and 2009. But what's happened is there's now... Um, this whole shadow banking world that has emerged, you know, you've always, you, you always had sort of GE Capital and there's companies like Madison Capital out there that have always come in and, and loaned money to businesses that are a little bit higher risk. But now you have private equity firms raising money to do nothing but loan to small businesses and middle market companies, and they're filling the gap that exists um, where banks have, where banks today are traditionally becoming way too conservative about lending to small business. So I'm very optimistic. I'm very excited about um, what's out there for small business and middle market. You just have to do your homework. It's like when you go to college finding out that there could have been 15 scholarships you could have got and you didn't do the research. You just really have to do the research. That's great. Yeah, it's very good advice. Um, well, Cindy, you have not just uh, had an incredible amount of experience in uh, banking uh, and funding and providing support to small business owners and uh, middle-sized business owners, um, uh, but you have also been helping 100 entrepreneurs in many ways, and one of those things was uh, to help a veteran who was buying a restaurant 
and wanted to get some help with his business plan uh, in order to secure funding from a bank. And uh, anyway, I just want to thank you very much. You've been an amazing job. And uh, the information is fantastic. Well, it's been my pleasure, Amanda, and I really appreciate you um, inviting me here today. So thank you so much.